Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. This week on the PR Moment Podcast, I'm going to be talking to Nikki Rigonzoni, co-founder of the PR Network. I'm going to be talking to her about her career story in public relations. For those of you that are not aware, Nikki launched the PR Network 15 years ago with Georgina Blizzard. The PR Network now has a fee income of about 3.8 million and recorded an impressive 13% growth in 2020. Clients include Purple Bricks and Snapchat. These days, the PR Network describes itself as a multi-specialist agency, with about 60% of their clients describing themselves as technology firms. Thanks, as ever, to the PRM Podcast sponsors, the PRCA. And don't forget to take a look at the PRM Award categories. The early bird deadline is Friday, the 26th of February. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. It's very nice to see you again. Yes, yeah, see us see each other virtually, needless to say. How, how have the last sort of 10 months or so been for you? Oh, I mean, that's an enormous question. I think, actually, I was looking at my diary, Ben, and, um, and I've got a photo of us um, on the 4th of March when we recorded the last version of this. And um, it was actually my last face-to-face business meeting pre-lockdown. Um, but as you say, you know, much of what we talked about has become... Um, you know, in terms of remote working, flexible working, the need for um, companies to access virtual teams, that's all become um, very much proven um, over the last few months. I mean, I think I'm going to say it's been a real mix. It, it hasn't been all bad on, um, you know, a business level or a personal level, but obviously it's very difficult to stay wholly positive at the moment because of all the bigger concerns around public health and the economy and the poverty chasm and climate change, and I could go on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the company, this experience has, has enabled us to become closer to our team and our colleagues and our extended freelance network, um, and also to our client community through a new initiative that we've set up with them. So that's been that's been certainly a positive outcome. Um, and then, you know, on a personal level, I think it's sort of taught us all to focus on what matters and perhaps the rushing around all the time and sort of headless chicken way of being that certainly I was guilty of. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping not to go back to that, really. So I would say a, a mixed experience. Do you reckon you've got, you've had a, a, almost a better work-life balance over the last 10 months than, than previously? I'm going to say definitely no. That wouldn't tally with my, with most business leaders that I've spoken to. I mean, most people have, have never worked so hard. So, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were lucky, George and I were lucky, um, you know, pre-lockdown or well, still now we're still lucky now and we've got a really fantastic team management team um, at the PR network um, and over the last 15 years we've been growing and building that team and, and allowing people to take the reins and sort of help us from the company so you know we've been able to focus on our family life and run a job share where we each work so three to four days a week um, and it's worked very very well but obviously um, you know uh, with the arrival of COVID and the potential risk to the company um, and, and wanting to look after after our team and our, and our freelancers and so on, we had to step back into a full-time role, um, both of us, and that was the right thing to do. But then at the same time, we've got children at home. So between George and I, we have five, and I've actually got three stepchildren as well. So that's um, that's t- uh, eight, I can't add up. And, um, and then in the company, there are seven of us in the team. We've got 16 children between us. So work-life balance, I would say, entirely out of the window. A pipe dream, which did 
become reality again in the, the small amounts of time we've had in between lockdown. <laughs> I'm now confused about when we've been in lockdown and when we haven't. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, no, before I did, I would say I had a really good work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's hard, isn't it? You, I, I think about you, I look back and um, it's all a bit of a blur. You know, I can't, oh, it, 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 clearly we can't to the numbers in a minute, but you, you guys obviously had a, a commercially very successful 12 months or so, um, but quite how you've done it. I don't know. Do you know how you've done it? Or is it all just, do you look back at it and go, I'm not quite sure how that worked out, but it has. Um, yeah, I mean, we've done a bit of analysis once we had time to sort of step back and take a breath and, and looked at the business. And you're right, we've, we have had a good year financially. Uh, I think there are a few factors. One is that obviously being a virtual agency, there wasn't any transition to remote working. Um, so we didn't have any kind of downtime while people were getting used to, to working in that way and, you know, um, supporting and, and providing pastoral care to junior members of the team while they got up to speed. I think that would have diverted a huge amount of management team's time and energy in the right place, obviously. But our team was able to focus very, very quickly on what do we need to do to make sure we've got a viable business going forward. So very much focused on clients. Um, to make sure our clients were okay and happy um, and then trying to convert new business and focus on our pipeline and also focus on on aged debtors in a way that perhaps we hadn't previously we was been fairly relaxed while being you know having a very robust um, financial operation so I think that has been really really important but the the main thing I would say is that you know we do a lot of work in technology as you know and we always have so that's certainly been a factor as well in our um, in, in how we've, we've coped in this situation but um, I think it's really the fact that we've got this international client focus now so just to explain what I mean by that and you know we work in many countries and that's something we have um, we have always offered since we set up the company in, in 2005 but really over the last few years we thought where we can really demonstrate value to clients is supporting them in many different markets all over the world so we've been focusing on building up our team of associate partners we call them because we work with freelancers but we also work with boutique agencies in certain markets where the freelance industry is you know not so mature um, and so most of our clients now we work with in several different countries which means that if we focus on winning a couple of clients during lockdown and they're working with us in several countries that immediately adds a lot to the top line and similarly quite a lot, a lot of our clients where we might have had to um, downscale work in one region another region might have picked up so it wasn't you know we didn't probably feel the same hit as other agencies where they were losing clients one after the other we it was more of a sort of you know decline in revenue perhaps on one account but then another account might add on a country which um yeah. I think that just protected us as well from COVID, from the vagaries of COVID as it rolled across the planet and affected different countries in different ways. We, because we're working all over the place, um, you know. Yeah, just, there's no doubt the U yeah. UK has been more affected than most, hasn't it? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. From from that perspective, um, just it's probably worth talking about at this at this moment. I was going to talk about it later, but can you just outline your model um, to people who maybe are not aware of it? Because you know, I'm conscious that I said you've got a fee income of 3.8 million and then you said you've only got seven seven full-time employees so people are probably sitting there scratching their heads a little bit so so go on just yeah, give us that'd be give great it, wouldn't it that would be nice but go on just just okay. talk us through that yeah so there are seven people in you know in the core team seven PR network um team members um but our model has um been from the start to well to never have an office um and never be limited by the number of employees that we have and the people in the room. So the delivery mechanism for our programmes is to use specialist freelancers and now, as I say, partner agencies um, 
in particular geographies and markets or with particular specialisms in terms of type of PR or industry. And so we take a brief from the client and they say we need support in, um, for example, um, you know, marine biology. And then we go away and find a freelancer in our network that has that experience. And we put them together or they say we've got a brief. We need to, you know, we're a software company. We want to put our toe in the water in Germany. We'll start in Germany and then we'll add on UK, France, Italy, Spain and so on. And we have partners in all of those markets. Um, and, and some of the partners are in people, individuals, yeah. and some of the partners are small, smaller, it, well, independent, small sometimes, um, sometimes perhaps not, I don't know. Well, actually for our largest clients, um, we, work, we work with them in, in 18 countries on a retainer. Um, and that has a, a real mix, um, it's a blended network. So it's some of our, some PR network associates in certain countries and in other countries, it's agencies. And some of those are agencies that that client had in, in place before we started working with them, but they just thought it made sense from a, a time and cost perspective to bring us on board to manage a hub. So we've got a team of people. So that's actually a very, very large account by revenue. So we've got um, one of my colleagues, um, uh, directs it from our side and then we have a sort of tier two PR network associate level beneath that and then they coordinate and run all of that whole program around the world so you can imagine it's a massive logistical effort so yeah. you know and just to just to bring yeah. that to, so I can picture that you've got seven there's obviously you and Georgina who the, the co-founders you've got seven employees how many people do you sort of work with on a, on a very regular basis if you like because I think yeah. there's, there's presumably different sort of um, circles of people who you have in the network but don't use that frequently and then some people who you're you know you're working with a lot. Yeah you're absolutely right so there's, there are seven of us and then we have um, you know a growing pool of people it's a bit of a moving feast of a couple of thousand associates and, and partners all around the world. Right. Uh, it sounds like a lot but it has been growing since we, you know, we've been building that for 15 years, um, just to give it that context. Um, and yeah, at any one time, we're probably working between 90 and 100 of those, um, you know, wow. on our clients, some projects, quite a lot of retainers. Um, and then we have, as a, I think, as you say, it's- a So you say 90 and 100 partners or projects? on the on the no no partners partners yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know how many projects actually yeah, but, um, yeah. so, yeah. so but between so 1900 partners of, of the pr network are doing stuff at any so there are the people we work with on a regular basis so as you mentioned you know that concentric circle way of visualizing it is actually really good because they're they're our core team people who only work for us and then there are the people around us another level or layer if you like you have trusted senior associates um, who are kind of ambassadors for the PR network, work with us very closely, know how we work, have worked with us for many years. Um, and then beyond that, there are the people with the specialist expertise that we can bring on board to, to work in teams collaboratively. And obviously the more people work with each other, the more, you know, on a frequent basis, the more able they are to work in a kind of collaborative and collegiate way. And, you know, the concerns that clients have had since we set up this model of but how are people teams if they're not in the same room or if they're not in the same company, how can you be what? obviously you get over that by constantly putting the same people together and they learn to work together over time and we know which of our associates work well in pairs or which teams of say five are great in Europe you know we've got a kind of crack team in Europe do you also get to know who doesn't work well <laughs> yes well, that is. <laughs> obviously in PR there are lots of people lots of um, well, personalities and yeah, um, yeah we, we certainly wouldn't pair but that's interesting and the um what, what just got me thinking about your model is it People don't have to work for you exclusively, do, you? do they? Just because no. I think that's a lot. Quite often, that's 
something that people ask is that you know it's a you're not it's not a it's a carrot not a stick if you like from, yeah from and also i think that works for the client because it's better for the client if the people on their team are working with other agencies and other businesses and other firms and then they've got a bit more of a breadth of experience and you know up-to-date knowledge but um also we don't we don't want to commit to giving people work all the time we'd rather that they have their own um, client base now, I, when we um, spoke before, we spent quite a bit of time. Well, there was almost this vague idea that you had some secret source technology and software that you used to sort of connect all your people and, and use as a hub for, for client contacts and all the rest of it. But just to, to deal with that, it, I mean, you, you use the same tools as the rest of us, right? It's 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 Teams, it's it, you know, and, and various point solutions around uh, around that or, or whatever seems relevant. Is it is that's that's how you work? Yeah, I think when we spoke last March, some of the tools I mentioned, perhaps some agencies or people wouldn't have been familiar with them. But now I think everybody's kind of tried and, and tested pretty much everything. Um, sure. We do rely, the business is completely reliant on technology and it always has yeah. been. Um, so, the, so with that in mind, I, I think we've all been on a bit of a journey with that. I mean, I think a, a lot of us, certainly I'd include myself in that, are... You know, we get the technology now, but it's how we how we engage and how we use that technology. With it. We're probably still figuring out, you know, because if let's be clear, if you, if you go back to back Zoom calls from eight in the morning till about five or, or wherever else, at the end of that, you're absolutely ruined, aren't you? You're not you, you can't do very much. So it's yeah. it's what are your lessons of of how to manage that? Because if there's a lot coming out these days, where you know we're we're really busy, we're sort of we're ticking lots of things off, but you know how it's it's quite hard to give, give the brain some space to actually do real, proper, good, insightful work, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of always on mentality that certainly I think you know the PR industry has been guilty of that for a long time anyway. You know, working on email all the time, and you know, yeah. but now with the advent of, of video calls being the norm, and you know, I liked it the other day when we had our pre-show chat, and you just called me on my mobile because it's actually refreshing to just go and sit somewhere else and not have to look at someone's face. No offence, <laughs> but um, you know, I think the thing that we've learned over over fifteen years is that everybody does work differently, and some people um, are better at using tools in the right way and some aren't so some people um, you know might sit on email all day or might might do several video calls and not actually get very much done and other people might prefer to not be on a call all the time you know, I think you need to understand who wants to work in what way and, and what works for the individual and for yourself as well and then try and um, and not yeah. demand things of people I suppose that's what I'm saying I think that's you, you don't you don't sort of have some guidance that I don't know you 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 can't have any more than three hours video calls a day I, you know that you don't you just leave it to people's personal preference and and, and knowledge of how they how they work best we don't stick we don't have any stipulation on how our teams should use the platforms that we provide for them. I think we expect people to use their common sense. Um, I think what we all agreed that after the last, you know, however long that that first lockdown went on for four or five months, that we were all very sick and tired of too much, too many video calls, and we tried to step away from that and pick up the phone or just or just not have the video on. I mean, I know a lot of people as well don't like to have the video on; they feel uncomfortable with it, and then that's that's doing something with your brain, isn't it? Your brain chemistry is not very healthy. And then to then finish a video call and try and do some work, I think it's really difficult. So I'd say we've, you know, you've got to do what works for you, but we, we don't enforce rules around it, no. And how do you, um, I suppose originally for you guys, how did you set a culture 
and and how did you retain and develop that culture bearing in mind it's virtual and a, 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 a virtual business it was did you find that more difficult than if you were um all in the same office or is it is it just different um well when we set up the company or obviously at the beginning it was just me and george um I was going to say in a room, but that's the point. We weren't in a room, but we had worked together before at Byte, um, which had a very distinctive culture. And we knew how we liked to work together. And then as the company evolved over time, the network we grew around us was made up of quite a lot of people we'd worked with in the past as well. Certainly our, our approach to building our network was that anyone who worked with us had to know somebody we knew if they didn't know us already um, to make sure that we were comfortable with the people that we were putting on our client programs. And I think we kind of developed a methodology over time, which we have formalized now in a, you know, we have a, an associate handbook, which kind of lays out how we expect people to work the standards um, and our kind of general approach. Um, and it's a bit of a fine line between not treading on people's toes, but then creating an environment and, and, um, and a way of working and a methodology that people can work within in a way that they're comfortable. And then in terms of the other layer of it, the sort of, um, you know, the way of working together, the social side, the interaction and all of that. Um, I think you know, George and I are quite outgoing extrovert personalities. Um, and we have recruited and like to, you know, work with people that are, a mix of being similar and different to us. And I can go into that in a little bit more detail later because we've just gone through that insights personality profiling exercise. I don't know whether you've ever done that, but it's quite illuminating. Um, but I think just have putting in place some ways of working and suggestions and recommendations for a framework that people can work within if they want to. But obviously most of the people outside our core team are working for themselves. They've decided to step out of, out of the formal workplace and work in their own way. So we want to extend our culture, but people can take it or leave, you know, leave it as they wish. How do you, I mean, a lot of the things um, that come across when I talk to people these days are that people, people feel quite alone, people feel quite lonely. You've got more experience of dealing with that over a long period of time than, than most of the rest of us. How, how do you, how do you sort of try and, you know, we, at the end of the day, the fact is we are all at home alone, but you, presumably there is a way to, lessen lessen that as a feeling um or, or 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 not i don't know i suppose it's about communication isn't it and interaction and again going back to the culture and having a strong sense of culture within your team and extended team and there are a few initiatives that we brought in specifically as a result of lockdown and, and trying to combat that kind of isolation and loneliness um for our different groups um the first is um a community that we've set up for our associates and again that's not for the whole network of people because that would be unmanageable but for the 50 or so individuals um who we were worried about because obviously freelancers faced a really difficult time at the start of lockdown with very little financial support from the government and then you know a lot of them are on their own and some people aren't some people are totally on their own with no families. So we set up this, well, it's a Facebook group. So we use the Facebook platform. But through that, we have delivered a number of training programs. I think about 15 different programs to, for people. Um, from everything from, um, you know, skills-based training on LinkedIn and how to improve your profile on LinkedIn to um, kind of creative writing to how to pitch and how to pitch and present on on Zoom, and and then some kind of you know some lifestyle and, and coaching and fitness yeah. things. So that's worked really well. We've had very good feedback on that, and that's something we're carrying on. 
Um, so that's for that group. And then for our client community, we actually were concerned about our clients as well, uh, many of whom are very senior leaders, your heads of comms, directors of comms, working in senior leadership positions within the comms function, not having peers at their level, and then facing all these issues around lockdown to do with, you know, the reputations of their organisation, how to advise their senior leaders, you know, their executives on how they were supposed to be putting themselves out there, as well as dealing with crises, and they were alone. So we set up another initiative, um, which we call PRN Collective. So once a quarter, we get these people together. There's about 13 of them. They work for really great brands, um, some of them you might know, Ben. Um, and again, we've put on um, a series of, of training and, um, and information-based sessions for them. Sometimes we send them, a, um, well, actually, I think every time we've sent them a gift. So we had a, um, an event with Sterling Distillery where we sent them um, some gin. And then uh, we had a tour from the guy who owns Sterling. And then we also had a talk about the state of the PR nation, if you like, as well. So it's a bit of business, a bit of fun. Then we had a session on Brexit which was the last one, which I um, facilitated in December. So again, um, that's a bit of a long-winded answer to your question, but I think trying to find ways to bring people together in with like-minded people who share their concerns without just saying, let's go on a Zoom and have a drink, because I think actually everybody's really fed up with that. <laughs> um, I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, I take it over nothing right now, but... <laughs> I think it depends if it's with... If it's with people you know quite well, it's all right, isn't it? But um, if it's with people you, you don't know so well, then it can be a bit... Yeah, painful, definitely. I don't know. Um, now, talk about pitching on Zoom. Presumably, you've, you've won some clients that you've never met over the last 10 months or so. Yes, and we have. But as I think I mentioned to you before, we've always worked with clients that we've never met. Just because I think by dint of not having an office, our way of presenting ourselves to people and introducing the company hasn't been through, come, you know, come to our office in London and meet the team. It's been, you know, yes, perhaps meet me or George or James um, first, or, um, but it's been in a, in a virtual situation. So, you know, clients like SoundCloud, which we've worked with in several countries, want, you know, for quite a few years, it's a great client. We've never met, never met them, never met them face to face. Well, in that sense, and, and do you, because that, I mean, that's a new one for me, right? I've definitely now got clients I've never met um i'm almost nervous about meeting them maybe we won't get on do you know what I'm saying? it's well, no maybe you won't like each other maybe exactly. it's the, you know it's fine long distance but um i asked the team and we've they they said you know we've got a few clients that that we've won in lockdown not pitches but presentations or virtually commuter club deep crawl hydro wind energy we also started working with Snapchat in the Ukraine. Um, we've worked with Snapchat for, for several years in other countries but that's a new market obviously haven't met the clients there because we've been in right. So, um, so and yeah, it's funny, hasn't it? That it sort of just those relationships just sort of happen and evolve, and it's all okay. Um, and then you suddenly think, oh, actually, I've never met you, um, but um, yeah, one, one day I guess we will. Um, I'm talking about pitching, virtual pitching. Any any top tips? Um, you mentioned it a few times. Any sort of um, techniques for for working on Zoom because it or pitching on Zoom, I should say, because all it's um, the technology is quite important, isn't it? It is. Um, I mean, personally, I think it's very difficult to bring the kind of, you know, the drama and the, um, the excitement of a traditional pitch onto the, onto the online stage. Um, you know, whatever you do and however tips or tricks you, you use and you have it your sleeve at your end, you know, you don't know how that's going to be received at the other end and what people are doing and if they're engaging with you. And I think I yeah. mentioned to you, we did one pitch where everybody turned off their cameras um i thankfully for me this wasn't something this wasn't my pitch but my, my colleagues told us afterwards um 
we did actually win the account but um yeah they just said they were sort of pitching into the ether and couldn't gauge reactions and didn't know how to you know obviously you would have you yeah. instinctively know where to move things on or whatever if it's in in the real world but apparently we did have a, a session on this for our for our um associate group that i mentioned and it's all about looking in the camera you know don't sort of look around and fidget look in the camera speak slowly um you know break it up have it make it shorter don't do too many slides try and keep the technology very simple because it's awful when you're saying hang on i just need to move on my slide again there's no one in the room to look at you there are no cues so we've actually um the pitch i mentioned that's actually the only formal pitch we've done virtually um we, right. do, we don't we don't pitch much anyway we try and, and we only accept pitch invitations if we think we've got a good chance of winning because they take so much time and last year we didn't really have any time so <laughs> um yeah cool. it's a funny one isn't it and did you um i, I should talk about your you, you, you and georgina blizzard's relationship because what you've known each other i don't know 15 years maybe a bit more i don't know um longer now yeah about 17 well, well, you, you met at a what a, 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 a well go on you tell a story and and i think this story is very well worn now but i will yeah. tell it one more time for you um yeah we met on a hendu um, I think it was in Cambridge. It was obviously a very good Hindu because I can't really remember for sure. I think it was in Cambridge. And um, yeah, we just hit it off and we were both working for tech PR firms. But, but what I meant is it's interesting that you, um, you know, you hadn't, you, you, it was a bit of a, a random meeting, wasn't it? Quite Sometimes when you, when you, when you sell a business with someone, you've known them for quite a long period of time, but I mean, you obviously got on well, but you didn't, you hadn't known each other for 10 years beforehand or anything like that. It's Not quite for 10 years, but then after that, after that meet, that chance meeting, um, we did then go on to work together at Bytes. Um, okay. I went to freelance at Bytes uh, for six months. So you sort of, you knew you got on and you, you, you knew you had the same values and that sort Absolutely. of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we probably How did that some... relationship fresh then. What have you? Because it's you know, fifteen years is a long time to be partners with someone, isn't it? And it's it's it's, it's difficult not to fall out with, or have a few a few choice words in fifteen years. I know. I mean, I think for a business marriage, it must be some kind of record. We probably need a, a new awards category or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it, it. I don't think it's that complicated to be honest. I think I think we are lucky in that we we are um, you know we share the same values. I could talk about how important it is to trust each other. I mean, I think that's, that's um, you know, very obvious. We've got each other's back. But we just get on. We, we have, we're still having fun, actually enjoying running the business and still, um, you know, finding new, new directions to take it in, new challenges. I don't mean this as a, as a you know, slight or anything like that, but do you ever think, could you have done it on your own? Or, or was doing it with somebody else absolutely your, your vision or the way you wanted to do it? I think it would have been very difficult to do it on our own, to be honest. I think, uh, I mean, we've so many times spoken to other business owners, um, often women, not not always, but I think it comes down to, well, not only this, but, the, you know, when you have children and you can't work full time, um, or if you are working full time, your energies can't be wholly devoted on the company. Just having somebody else to, you know, to support with the with the, the highs and lows and the issues. Um, but then, but more than that, you know, if you have a crisis with a client or something where you need, really need another, um, another perspective, somebody to share the, share the load with, it's essential. And having another person, I think that's part of the reason we've been able to, not the only reason we've got a fantastic team of, of people as well, but to, to stay focused and engaged in the business for so long while having, bringing up five children. So I think that, 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 that element of being a partnership has worked really well. 
yeah, definitely. And doing a job share. You know, I've talked about that before, but not, not enough companies embrace job shares. I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? I mean, I totally, just, let's just talk about that for a minute, because I get job shares and it's definitely an underutilised way forward, but to do it as two two co-founders, two CEOs in effect, is quite an interesting um, way to do it. Did, did you do it like that from the very start? I can't quite remember, or did you? Did sort no. Of no, no, not from the beginning, because actually when we had, when we set up the company, um, George already had her, had a daughter, um, and I actually didn't have any children at that point, but I did, I did plan and hope to. And again, that's part of the reason for setting up the business in this very flexible way. Um, and then over time, we kind of we 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 designed the job spec to be shared and to be flexible, and that we could adapt it. So over the years, we've worked different days of the week. Some days we've worked. Sometimes we've worked three days. Other day times we've worked five days, like, like last year, for example. Um, but there's a kind of broad framework of sharing the. Um, sharing the the, um, the responsibilities and actually going forward in the new structure that we're putting together now, um, where George and I are kind of taking back the reins of the day-to-day to free up James, who's currently our MD, um, to move into a, a chief revenue officer role. Um, George and I will have kind of distinct areas of responsibility that we'll be focusing on um, for the coming year. So we will be, um, it'll be slightly less fluid. So let's talk about that restructure. I mean, was that, first of all, was that driven by your experience of COVID, so a bit of that stuff we were talking about before, where you, you just found yourself getting back involved the day-to-day and, and therefore wanted to make a few changes. I think it was, yeah. Um, not that we stepped back into the business and saw anything wrong with the way it was being run, far from it. And the company's been very successful for several years. But um, I think just looking at the, uh, taking um, a step back and looking at, at the business and where it is and the people in the company presently and stay because we've got a great culture and they like it. But we wanted to take a look at where we're wanting to go with the business and whether we've got the right people in the right roles. And so we've, and also giving people some space to go because obviously if you've got two co-founders, you know, sitting at the top of the company um, and other ambitious people, people have been with us a long time, you want to allow people to develop their careers. We don't want people to leave. We want to find a way that everybody can um, have a role that benefits them and the company. So everybody's, everyone in our team has moved and we've, had, we've uh, made some promotions and we've made some new roles of which James's is one. And um, what is the plan then? You, you talk about the future and 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 you know where you want to go with the business. I mean, growth, I guess, is an obvious one. Clearly, the the current strategy of of growth internationally is working brilliantly. What 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 is the is there? A, have you set some goals? Some of those you might want to share. But what what what's, what is the plan for PR Network? Um. Yeah, I think more of the same in terms of of international being where we want to take the company. I think particularly with what's happened with lockdown, our virtual agency USP is no longer a USP and we've realised that for a while. So focusing um, again on on developing that associate network of of partners and freelancers and winning more very large scale international clients, you know, multiple markets, that's the way to very quickly grow the top line. Um, So that's the kind of plan for this year to pick up some more of those accounts. Um, And then, you know, carry on with one of the, you know, a good growth trajectory with the, the fee income. We set a target two years ago of 4 million by the end of 20, well, by t- our financial year is annoying because it ends in January, as I mentioned to you. So by 2022, so a year, a year from now of 4 million, well, I think we're going to, you know, we ought to trounce that because we've, we're 3.8 uh, for this year. So in terms of financial goals. 
Um, we're in a, we're, we've got this new structure that we've put in place. So obviously we want to bed that in, make sure everybody's comfortable in the roles and kind of stabilise the client base rather than try to, to aim too high. Brilliant. It sounds like, a, sounds like a, an exciting time. And it's, it's so, um, it's refreshing to have a business that is, uh, was set up with a bit of a twist, if you know what I mean. And, as, uh, and oh, clearly that, 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 business, that, that twist worked to start with, but it's, um, it, you, benefit, you, you were more ready to, for, for the COVID and lockdown and all the rest of it than, than most other PR firms, I suspect. Well, it's quite funny because obviously, as you said at the start of the, of the podcast, you know, we talked about so many things at, at that 10 months ago, 10 long, long months ago. Um, you know, it was all about us still having to persuade clients that this way of working worked and that you could collaborate. I think a lot of agencies were resistant as well to that. And now I'm sure they're not telling their clients it's impossible to, to do, you know, run a good, a good creative campaign if you're not in the same room because everybody's having to do it. So it's really we good. Are, we are, do you know what? I, I think there's a that's interesting just to finish on that there is i i think the jury is still out on that and i don't i'm not suggesting for for one moment that your model doesn't work for you do you know what i mean clearly it does but um talking to lots of other people they you know people do miss the the office environment you know not suggesting anyone's going to go back and do it five days a week but they they you know three two or or hybrid you know however you want to describe it seems to be where, where a lot of people think we're going to end up with this um but you know people are people are a bit bored people do find it a bit monotonous but maybe that's just because you've been doing it for longer and and, and you and your people are more experienced about how to manage that 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 slightly um lonely if that is the right phrase existence or, or maybe it maybe it appears to freelancers but uh, sorry appeals to pre- freelancers but doesn't appeal to other types of personalities i don't know yeah, possibly I, I don't i really don't know i mean don't get me wrong i really miss people as well and, and um, it'd be nice to see some people who aren't in my family <laughs> um, but i mean we've always said it's good to have a mix so yes we're virtual and that there's no office and our teams are working virtually from wherever they are in the world that doesn't mean we don't think it's good to see people you know when we can so george and i were always going into london once twice a week we bring our clients together we do run you know we have parties and get together for our associates a couple of times a year yeah, but I, I mean the you know the, the, the day-to-day the day-to-day working yeah i mean we don't we don't have an office but if we did have one i'd be there like a shot right now i mean <laughs> um, but, but you know i mean i didn't really mean it as a, a critique of where you guys are i just meant no, it's, no. it'd be interesting to see because i, I there's always a temptation that we have to have, you know, generalist rules for these things, but it doesn't actually work like that, does it? It works for different types of people, different types of their careers, for different types of clients. Do, do you know what I mean? So it's kind of um, what works well for, 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 for a bunch of people doesn't necessarily work for everybody. So it's um, having a compromise and having the option to go into the office, but that being able to be managed very closely in terms of resource and capacity and desk planning and so on, because obviously agency heads will have looked at the fact that lots of people can work from home some of the time and good work can be done. And actually some people do good work, you know, thinking time work might be better done alone. So, you know, I remember going into text's office, um, I don't know when it was three years ago, um, and, you know, they were doing hot desking then and had lockers and it all looked really quite advanced. I was impressed. So they, they weren't expecting everybody to go into the office every day, have a long commute. So I feel like that way of working and that those expectations of people, I hope, will have gone. Because I think otherwise you're precluding yourself from getting the best. Oh, people, I, 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 I think I think the uh, I don't even think that's an argument anymore, is it? I mean, the th- three, two or hybrid is, is, is yeah. I haven't spoken to one agency who's not thinking that that way. You're going to say 
a great person has to come into the office every day. That requires that person, you might be the best person for your company, to be in the proximity of your office and be able to do that commute. If you say to them, you can come in three days, you have to do these hours, or just give some, let them set up and design their own week, you could find yeah. better people and you're not, you don't have those recruitment challenges. We're doing a we're doing a podcast on this very topic. I think think next week. But um, yeah, but one of the things is that it's it's a challenge, though, right? Because I think PR mo- more than most professions, you know, I don't know if it's a profession, but anyway, um, people learn through osmosis. People learn from observation. Oh, and, and if you're, you know, even in our, if we're limiting that observation. Um, to three days a week. I mean, I know there is a bit of observation virtually, but you, you see where I'm going with it. I think it I'm talking more about, yeah, I suppose I'm talking more about more senior people that have done their learning and development. Yeah, well, I, we don't advocate for, for junior level people well, working on their own in their, on their bed, trying to develop a career in a, you know. A, yeah, but, but, by, but by design, if all the senior people are at home, there's no, there's no, there's no senior people in the office. I know that's not what you meant, but you, you, no, you, you yeah, it's, it's quite a complicated element with lots of moving parts and it's yeah. I'm not suggesting there is a, a, a an agreed way forward yet but it'll certainly be interesting to watch it evolve over the next few years I think it needs to be a mix doesn't it like we're saying I think like with everything it's always a compromise so some people in some of the time some people in most of the time at a lower level that's kind of how I that's how I would set it up if I was going to set up an, a traditional agency with a physical base now that's that's what how I yeah would set it. I won't try and talk, but one of the um, is Matt Buchanan from Ogilvy. They did some research of, of their employees. He's going to talk about this on the on the show next week. But the, the the people who wanted to come back into the office the most were not those junior people. They they were actually okay at home. It was the it was the people with children. forty somethings like me who 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 are used to being in an office environment and and enjoy it. Actually, yeah. the, the the younger twenty somethings were actually they were they were okay. Now they might have been that they were worried about the commute or whatever else. Yeah. You're never quite sure what's going on behind those feelings, but you know this it's there's yeah. a lot. It's it's in, an interesting area. Well, the, the normal ways of working and building relationships with people that we're used to over working for you know 20, 25 years, whatever. The rug's been pulled from under our feet, and we're having to sort of start again. And even though yeah. I've built up a virtual business, and we have. And you, st- you can build relationships in that way, but the, you can't replace the human face-to-face contact. No. No, those friendships that you've you you built on a drunken night out, you know, that's not being alcohol into it, but you know, those 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 or those or those tough client experiences, it's they they are hard to to reproduce that virtually, isn't it? You can you can you can attempt it and get you can get quite a long way down the road, but it's it's you know it's um it's an intriguing one um to, to where that all end up. But, um, yeah, anyway. absolutely. Who knows where we're going? Um, well, you do, so that's okay. But, <laughs> well, um, it's good to have. A, I think it's good to have a plan. I like. To, I like to plan. I'm a Virgo. Um, Nikki Rickensoni, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Ben. It was really nice to come on. Thanks for having me for Lockdown Podcast Mark Two. A pleasure. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment Podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.